welcome to a better lifestyle i am your host richard and i will be with you throughout this journey this show is here to empower individuals to do more in life professionally you will find a variety of topics that will help you to be more productive and more successful so join me and the professionals from different industries as we bring education and knowledge for more success. Hi everybody, my name is Richard Lesperance and I go by the name of my man Richard. Today uh, it's a roundtable on entrepreneurship. Uh, this is the podcast, Welcome to a Better Lifestyle. So I have uh, three panelists with me, and uh, they're 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 doing their thing in the uh, business world. So uh, they're gonna they're gonna share their knowledge and uh, their experience. So I think you guys are gonna like this roundtable. So uh, my uh, first question, I'll uh, I'll start with uh, with Amy. Uh, what is uh, How's the life of a an, uh, of an entrepreneur like from your own experience from when you started until now? So it's it's full, and I'm sure the other two two can agree. When you're an entrepreneur, you I feel like you have your hands in multiple things. There's not just one lane that you you drive in. And I was actually talking to someone about this this morning, and someone asked me, "What do you do?" And you're like, "Well, I have about 17 things I do." Right? You wear a lot of hats you find yourself involved in a lot of different things. It's a very full life, but it's a very good life in the terms of, I, for the most part, attempt to make my schedule work for me. Um, I have a small child and I travel a bit for, for other things, for work and, and other investment things. Um, and I also have a husband who travels a lot. So it allows me to, to work when I need to, which ends up being more than I wanted to. And I, I think it's, What's really interesting, and I bet you both will agree on this too, I come from the corporate world. And I, I often lust for the uh, the idea of turning my phone off on a vacation and not having to answer emails and text messages or having to work. And while that sounds really appealing, it's taking a, a corporate job, and no offense to the corporate world, but because we're so used to like always evolving, always changing, always going, always moving, I don't know that my brain would fit back into that box where I would be able to turn off anyways. And so it's it's sort of this uh, this dream of an idea to be able to turn a phone off on vacation and take a day off, but um, also knowing that there's no way I could turn my brain off that way. It just doesn't it doesn't work that way anymore. You can't fit your brain back in the box after you've let it sort of soar and expand the way it has. Catherine, mm. uh, how's the life of uh, an entrepreneur from when you started until now? It's chaotic and it's innovative and it's always a freaking blast. Mm -hmm. That's it. Very mm -hmm. simple. <laughs> well, I, I can, I can definitely second what the ladies are saying. You know, it's hard to turn your brain off, you know, because you're, yeah. you have that ideation going on. You always got an idea. How can I bring this idea to life? You know, what are the steps I need to take? So um, a lot of people had a misperception, you know, well, I want to be an entrepreneur because I want to work for myself and I only want to work, you know, two or three hours a day. Yeah. And that's that's a fallacy because yeah. you're yeah, when you're working for yourself, you're always on the clock, you know, mm -hmm. and that's something. And and actually, that's a hard dynamic for you know, spouses, if you have spouses of an entrepreneur, because sometimes they don't understand that you're always on the clock. You're always doing things. You're trying to spend time with the family, but at the same time, you get these harebrained ideas or you say, oh man, I forgot to finish up this task. Let me do this. Let me go back and do that. So you guys that's listening, if you think the life of an entrepreneur is all glitz and glamour and Lamborghinis and Rolexes, I'm, you're sadly mistaken. <laughs> you know, it takes time to get to that point. And even when you're at that point, you still have things that you need to do. And if you guys are watching um, on YouTube, I put this up here. This is like my weekly calendar. Everything is 
coordinated, mm-hmm. organized, because I know because the way my brain works, if I have one minute of downtime, I'm thinking of something else to do. So I have yeah. to try and yeah. keep myself within those, that box and those parameters. Same, same. And I will say too, it's funny because along what you were saying, Marcus, about the, mis- the misconception about entrepreneurship is that it always makes me laugh because people think that, you know, because they see somebody who's been doing it for 20 years and now they've built up their business to the point that they can take more vacations. They can do this. I'm like, no, 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 no. The first year or two, you are an insane person and yep. you work at all hours. I would wake up at two and three in the morning and work for two or three hours because if I didn't, I'd never go back to sleep anyway. So mm-hmm. I would just get up, I'd do it and I'd crank it out. And then I'd work for 14 hours again when I got back up. And that's the first year or two of business. Hmm. And that's Absolutely. what I find, I think, really interesting. I, 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 I'm I, an adjunct professor, you know, on, on the side as we do. And I think one of the things I always mention to my students is we hear the stories of Mark Zuckerberg. We hear the stories of some of these people who have made it, but in their mind, they're also not complacent. They're not the personality. Like you don't get there and become complacent because you're no. still fighting, no. right? You're still evolving. Yeah. You're always trying to mm-hmm. your competitors out. You're always working harder to come up with the next thing. So even if you've quote unquote made it, you're still fighting. You're still evolving. Yeah. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's damned if you do and damned if you don't in a sense because you're you're always you're always striving for that next thing and like you said that ideation process is every day you can't turn that down that it, you can't turn it off yeah, right you're yeah. in the car you're like oh my god i have a TikTok video idea or whatever <laughs> it might be right and, yeah. and all those things come into play and those all those things are how your your, your brain is always working 100 mm-hmm. percent I'm going to pause. I'm going to edit that because my guest just came in. Oh, perfect. Okay. <laughs> so I'll do the editing and uh, uh. Hi, Jerry. Hey, Richard. Sorry for, for being late here. I just finished the meeting up. Okay. Uh, we had just started, so we gotta. I'm going to figure out how to edit that. So, uh, Amy, I just finished uh, in regards to uh, the lifestyle of an entrepreneur. Uh, maybe you could, uh, I'm going to ask the first question I'm going to ask to you, and then I'm going to jump back to my questions and uh, go with uh, with the other people. Awesome. Uh, all right. All right. Uh, so, Jerry, I was uh, asking the other people uh, before that was the first question. How is uh, how is the life of uh, of an entrepreneur from your own experience since you started and uh, until where you are today? Yeah, you know, it's different than I expected. Um, I started as an entrepreneur at the age of 18. I had a job that I hated. Uh, and so I was like, cool, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to be my own man and be completely free. And I'm going to make all the money in the world. Right. For about five or six years, that wasn't true. Right. I worked more and made less money. I had, you know, way more of a learning curve. I didn't have formal training. I didn't go to college. Right. So, um, there was a period that until I really learned the difference between an entrepreneur, which is just somebody that, that, you know, puts their capital at risk or their time at risk to implement their idea. There's a difference between that and an executive, right? And an executive is one who can actually execute and run a business successfully. So, um, you know, there was a lot of just fumbling around and and making mistakes and costing myself needless time and money for a while. Um, And that was kind of the price that I paid to to get to where I am today. Um, Today, you know, it still is very busy. And I think for me, that is, um, you know, a good kind of busy. It's a productive kind of busy. Right. But I'm at the point in my company now where as an entrepreneur, we've got to be able to get distance from the day to day activities of the business. Right. Um, there's nothing worse than a founder who can't keep their hands off of the company. Mm-hmm. And, and so if you really have a team, you have to be able to post them. You have to be able to trust them. And so the day to day really looks like being able to have the restraint to let your people do the things you hired them to do. And the foresight and care to observe, inspect, and provide the training that's needed and necessary to really make them good at their job so that they can be successful. And so my day-to-day now is a little bit more of a coach role, right? Um, and, and it's still busy, but it's just different. Hmm. Uh, I've, uh, I'm going to ask, I'm going to start with Amy. Have you, uh, when you, since your journey in, uh, in, in the business world, 
uh, as an entrepreneur, have you encountered uh, failure before you reached the level you are? Or it was straightforward success? No, absolutely. I think uh, failure is, is part of the learning opportunity. We always say fail forward. So learn, learn from what you, what you failed, what you did wrong. And failure is not a bad thing. There's a reason you fail on something. So maybe they weren't meant to work. And so I think failure is absolutely a piece of probably everyone on this call and every entrepreneur and every business person, every human's puzzle, right? We've all failed at something and that's, it's not a, a bad thing at all. And uh, I, I actually was talking to someone this morning and they um, mentor startup for chiropractors who are starting up to, to build their business. And they're all like, how did you make it so, so big? How'd you get there? And it's like, I failed fast. I made a lot of bad decisions. I failed fast. And so when you really think about that, failure is part of testing your brand. It's part of testing what you're creating. And that is so important because it, it helps us grow. It helps us learn, but also gives us um, a better understanding of our audience of our market, of what we're offering. And so failure is not a bad thing in the least bit. And I will tell you, I have, um, I tell my students this all the time. I, um, I'm not up here because I'm smarter than you. I'm up here because I'm older than you and I failed more than you have. Hmm. I like uh, that. That's awesome. And it's so true. It's so uh, true. I mean, seriously, yeah. I, I don't know how many times I've done that. Like you just, and I tell people like the, the funniest one with me was my biggest fail was when I refused to charge enough for my services because I wanted to help more businesses and I love to help the little startup businesses. And so I know they don't have very much money and I was just stubborn for way too long. Oh, we all knew it was going to happen. There we go. Thank you for the reminder. Amy. Um, <laughs> but we all, I mean, it, it, that was the funniest one. The people are like, really, you didn't want to make more money. I'm like, no, I wanted to help more people. It was just a, a motivation thing, but I figured out how to do both. And so you know, like you said, fail forward. I figured out how to make more money and make my life easier and help even more people than I was before. Mark, Marcus? You know what? I read a great book. I can't even remember the name of the author and I don't have it by me, but it's Obstacles is the Way, right? So it's it's when you reach those those points of failures, right? Sometimes those points of failures are leading you in a direction that you need to go into. Um, and a lot of people think that failure is, I failed or I'm a failure. And it's really not, I'm a failure, but it's, Hey, I failed at this one instance or this one situation in my life. And how am I going to bounce back and get to the next point? And just like the other guest said, you know what? Failure is going to happen. It's how you deal with it. And what do you glean from that failure? Because, you know, those failures come to teach you a lesson. And if you don't learn from those lessons, you're going to run into that failure again, and it's going to continue to happen. It's going to cycle. So, what I always tell entrepreneurs is, you know, just like Amy said, go ahead, make those mistakes. You know, being an entrepreneur is all about risk and how you leverage that risk. If you if you're scared to take risks, trust me, entrepreneurship is not the is not the career path for you. No matter how much passion you have, no matter how great of an idea you have, you have to be willing, you know, like Jerry said, to put your capital on the line, because if you don't believe in yourself and put capital behind you, no one else is going to put capital behind you. So you got to get out there. You got to, you got to look for those risks and you got to take those risks because if you look at the background of every great entrepreneur, they had that, that crux, right? Am I going to take this risk or am I not going to take this risk? And those who succeed took that risk. They may have failed, but they knew how to overcome it and knew how to use that risk and that failure as a launching pad and, and catapult them to the next level. Hmm. Uh, Jerry? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I failed before and I will continue to. Um, one of my favorite quotes, and I just want to share it, it's by uh, President Theodore Roosevelt. It's from his speech, The Man in the Arena. But there's a line in there, and he says, the credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who actually, who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself on a worthy cause. And he goes on to say, he at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement. And at worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly. 
so that his place shall never be with those cold, timid souls who knew, who neither knew uh, victory nor defeat. Um, one of my favorite quotes in the world, but you know, failure for me, I like to really simplify things down because you can really, um, you say a word and it means something different to everyone else, right? We say failure. Someone might be thinking about their marriage. Someone might be thinking about their business. Someone might be thinking about a time they quit on something. Um, so for me, I boil failure down to a momentary instance of the incorrect expectation of effort, right? And, and there's really two sides to that. I think in the early years for me, failure honestly was self-caused. Like a lot of it was just like, you know, I didn't know better. I thought too much of myself and I, I didn't do enough education and learning. And then I created a failure, right? And so I think, you know, when we um, really look at like failure can be reduced and minimized through gaining experience through knowledge. And that doesn't always have to be someone else's firsthand experience. It can be learning from others. And that's the beauty of a forum like this and, and the value that probably each of us are, are supplying to our clients and audiences, right? Is here's what happened when I did blah. So you don't have to go through the same thing I went through. Right. So that's a way to avoid failure. And then some of it, too. I had a, a friend recently that shared something that's super true. There's a devil at every level. Right. There always will be the next thing. Right. And sometimes you're going to expect it. Sometimes you're not. Mike Tyson said everyone has a plan to get punched in the mouth. Right. Yeah. So we can do our best to be prepared. Sometimes you're not going to. And that's just part of the game. And it is the playing of the game, not necessarily the secured win. Right. We would not be entrepreneurs if all of us automatically knew we were going to win, mm -hmm. right? Like if the end was secure, there's no risk. And that's the definition of an entrepreneur. So be willing to have the risk, be willing to take a few hits sometimes. And, you know, realize sometimes when they happen, it was my own fault. I didn't study. I didn't learn. And, and now I know I should, and I can reduce those from happening, but man, it's a fun story after. And it's a, it's quite a life. And I think that that makes it worth it. Hmm. Uh, what kind of uh what kind of uh mindset and uh mental preparation you would say uh an entrepreneur has to have in that journey i'll start with amy oh uh, i would just say there's two sort of phrases or things that i always tell myself and this may kind of give the mindset of one the answer is always no unless you ask and so that one is something that I, I always think about because it's far too often sometimes you sit there and you're like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to call Jerry and ask him for a favor or ask him to connect me with Marcus. And you're like, yeah, but the answer is always no, unless you ask. And maybe they both want to be connected. Um, but also the only way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. And while that might be a little graphic, it's, it's true. Sometimes you look at these projects and you look at the growth and you look at your goals and they're these big behemoth things that you think, how in the heck am I ever going to do that? And it is those baby steps. And you really truly have to pace yourself in those baby steps because when you are your legal team, you're the accountant, you're the IT department, you're the marketing department, enter all the other things here. When you're all those people, some of these projects look so overwhelming. And it kind of steps into what everyone sort of said is, take those baby steps, take the, the progression you need to make the, th the steps happen, but also rely on the team you brought with you. And that is a huge piece of that because sometimes it can be so much and it can be so overwhelming when you're carrying all of this on your shoulders. Remember, there you're not alone. There are people like you. Look at all of us right here, right now. There are people like you mm -hmm. who are like-minded who would love to just download with you and be supportive, but also rely on your team. And that's why you have your team. Don't try to carry it all yourself. No. Marcus, what's your take on that? Man, you're worthy. That's the that's the main thing is you got to tell yourself every day that you're worthy of these responsibilities and that you can handle these responsibilities. And you got to have confidence, right? Because everybody going to a new venture with imposter syndrome. Hey, why am I really qualified to teach this? Am I qualified to be this business owner? Am I qualified to do this? How is everybody looking at me? And you have to continuously tell yourself that you're worthy of this. You're smarter. You're smart enough. And guess what? If you're not smart enough, you built the team to insulate you so you can go to your team and say, hey, you know what? I really don't know the answer to this. You know, give me some feedback. Ultimately, I'm the business owner. I'm going to make the final decision. But I do want to hear from my team and to make sure that we're leading or headed in the right direction. So one thing I just want to tell people is just know that you're confident 
enough. And if you have to get up every morning and have to speak to yourself, speak those confident uh, parables to yourself, then you must do that because that's one of the things that I had to do. I mean, I dropped out of high school three months before graduating because I was always told my, my parent, my dad was verbally abusive. He was like, you know, are you dumb or something? And that, that became ingrained in me. Right. So then, so I had to take years to really reprogram myself to get myself out of that. And, you know, and I'm glad that I did because one thing led to another to where now I'm far more advanced than my colleagues were. And it was just because of my own mental thinking and my mental preparation. So, you know, what you believe is what you're going to produce. So if you produce negativity, if you believe negativity, you're going to produce that. So just, you just got to know that you're, you're confident and um, you're worthy, you know, to do what you're doing. That's great. Uh, gotcha. Uh, first of all, know thyself. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't mean be like, oh, I'm I'm so great and I can do this and that, blah, blah, blah. Or, or, you know, I don't like ice cream or whatever the frick. No, deep, <laughs> deep, deep depth. Do the work, do self-mapping, um, do a lot of self-actualization work. And I know it sounds super hippie, but trust me, it actually does matter and it actually does work because you need to know every single thing that makes you tick. And part of it is you need to be monitoring yourself to take care of yourself and to know you know, where your limits are, how you can self-care in the middle of all of this craziness that we've been describing, um, and then where your strengths are and where you should hand things off um, to other people. So first, know thyself. Second of all, kick that ego to the curb. And I don't just mean the, you know, I, I, I see it all the time and I consult. So I see it, you know, with not just, you know, in my bubble and I have not just my experience, but with all the entrepreneurs that I've worked with is that ego kills it does it kills innovation it kills it kills your relationship with your staff it kills your company ultimately and you're like oh but there's all these egomaniacs that are so successful I'm like yeah it's probably not actually what you're thinking they probably know where the line is for their ego <laughs> usually in my experience when you actually dig deep with those guys they do know how to listen to other people they do know how to let their team step in and, and take over um so it's okay to be confident. It's okay to shape things up, but you need to, you need to understand that yours isn't the only voice and you need to be listening to those around you and taking them seriously. And then kind of the final thing for mindset is uh, kind of back to Jerry's point. That's one of my favorite quotes by Mike Tyson, by the way, it's, I freaking love that quote because it's true. You are going to get hit in the mouth. So you better be ready to stand back up and get and knock them out. That's how it goes. You, you get down, you take that breath because, man, it hurts, man, it stings. You shake it off, you climb up, and then you nail them right in the jaw. And that's what you have to do. You have to have that mental toughness because if you don't, you're going to sink. Mm -hmm. Jerry? If I ever get in a fight, I'm picking Catherine to be on my team. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think I think all of those are very true points, and I, and I want to validate like the – the being uh, himself like we have to understand who we are and also we have to like postulate and decide who that that's going to be like i i have it's like an actor like your role is to be the entrepreneur and we just have to be the role right um i liken it to being a parent like you don't get prepared for that but there you just have to be that and what's needed is what's needed and what you do is what you do and that just comes with the territory of it but I think, you know, the, the key mindset for me is that like the business is something that I cause. So I have a, a, a phrase that I remind myself constantly of is my business is an extension of myself, good or bad. It's not someone else's business. They didn't put it there. They aren't, it's not their processes. It's not their ideas that that emanated from me, good or bad. Right. So there's a responsibility level that goes with that. Um, and then the other thing too, that I, I, I like to remind myself from a mindset standpoint is I never like to invalidate and regret my own decisions, right? Nobody mm -hmm. has a gun to my head. That's making me show up in my okay. business today, mm -hmm. right? I am choosing that. That's something I chose from the get go. So I can, and I don't even like complaining about my decisions because it's like, what a form of self invalidation to decide something and then complain about the very thing I decided to do. That's not helping anybody. Right. So Really, it's about, you know, that's my cause. Like, I'm the cause point behind the business. This was my decision, right? And then that decision then creates, okay, well, what did I decide and who do I need to be based on what I've decided? And, and that's not even 
Um, I'm going to get there. It's just like, I just have to put on the hat, right? Like that's the hat I'm wearing as the CEO or the entrepreneur hat. And just like an actor in a movie, I just need to like figure out the lines and play the role and do what needs to be done there. Right. And it, it really is too, like from a day to day standpoint, all of this comes down to like, be, do, have, right. I need to be certain characteristics. I need to do factually certain things in order to have the result that I want. And for me, from a mindset standpoint, it has really helped to um, under romanticize the doing part, right? Like when I first started, I was making cold calls from a hundred square foot office with no windows in an area that I'd never lived in before. There's nothing sexy about that. It just is what it is, right? But sometimes we set the wrong expectation because we romanticize what we're going to do. And it's like, no, 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 no. You're going to call people you don't know and try and convince them to buy things they probably don't want, right? Like that's, that's, mm -hmm. but if we really romanticize the have, what's the end result? And also the be like, think the best of yourself, really embody and, 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 and truly be your best friend. Take care of yourself. Make sure you're training, you're studying all those things to be who you need to. And then focus on how good the result is. And then the, the doing part is just the doing part, whatever it is, right? Like you can, you can create the recipe of activities that need to be done for whatever result you're trying to accomplish. Uh, and that just has to get knocked out. It's like lining up dominoes. They have to fall and, and someone's got to make them fall, right? In order to get the last one done. Um, and then on that too, is like, if you find yourself like struggling with that, I revisit those points, but then I also will look at the doing part and I look at, are these dominoes that should be there? Sometimes I'm frustrated because I'm putting a bunch of energy on a domino that's not lined up with the other ones. And I can just say, cool, that one doesn't matter. Let me go focus on what does. Um, yep. So that's kind of my mindset behind the whole thing. Yes, I love that. And you reminded me too, Jerry, so missions, right? Like that that's kind of what I'm hearing yep. you say, like focus on the missions too. Like I tell everybody I have three missions. They are integrity, inclusion, innovation. Everything is in service of those three missions. If it does not align with them, it's out. It's done. I don't care. And if we start on something, we think it's going to be good and it turns out it's not, it's gone. And yep. so, and everybody that, that comes in and everybody, you know, everybody that even my clients, I insist that those three things are always at the forefront. So like just continuation. I love that. Like just focus on the things that actually matter and just let the rest go away. Uh I'm going to switch it up uh, a little bit uh, in this uh, economic times, like well, with the high rates of uh, interest rates and uh, inflation and uh, everybody saying that uh, there might be a recession. Uh, is it possible really to build uh, a business that is uh, recession proof? Because, you know, some, uh, some industries are cyclical. So uh, is it really possible? I'll start with uh, I'll start with Amy. Um, I, I, do, I do think it's possible. I think obviously everyone needs to continue to evolve and everyone needs to continue to make smart choices. Um, on the angel investing side of things that I see, I, I do see the businesses that tend to fail or tend to struggle. Um, obviously, fundraising is taking a lot longer now. Um, the typical typical raise is about um, right around 18 months right now, where it was a lot shorter before. And so that becomes a big challenge for businesses raising money. Um, and, and as an investor, it's taking now seven to eight years to get an exit from a company. So there's that. There's that side of all those things. But I, I think that continues to lead back to continue to innovate. Don't don't rest on your laurels and just assume kind of like we talked about earlier with whether you're Microsoft, whether you're Apple, um, or whether you're, you know, one of us who are not Mark Zuckerberg or Jeff Bezos, um, continue to innovate, continue to innovate, continue to innovate, um, and try to do it in an efficient way. I mean, I think that's really what it comes down to is you can grow and you can have a sustainable business, but if you rest on your laurels, you know, economic trials or not, you're going to, you're going to fail. Um, there's a, it was a skateboard shop I was in a couple of years ago in California and um i don't skateboard so i don't actually know why i was in a skateboard shop but we won't go there um but they had a thing on the wall and it said evolve or die and i just like i always remember that and it, it feels very kind of maybe a little bit dark but when you really think about it that goes to all of us and it's like everyone's talked about continue to learn continue to stick to your mission but continue to learn that evolves to us as humans, that evolves to us as our businesses. And so when I when you look at the, the a recession-proof business, if you will, 
it all comes down to, are you listening to the people who are talking to you, who are giving you feedback? Not everyone's feedback is valid. I get that. But are you listening to the feedback? And if everyone's saying the same thing, what are you doing for that? How are you evolving? Maybe smartly, maybe it's, it's not an expensive evolution, but it's something else that makes a lot more sense. How are you continuing to do all those things? And you just have to be a little bit smarter about how you go about your, your actions. Marcus. You know what? This may sound crazy to everybody, but I choose not to participate. Right. So if there's a recession, we choose not to participate in the recession because it's up to our thinking and it's up to what we teach our customers, up to what we teach our employees. You know, it's the mindset. And I know a lot of people say that, but this is one of the things that I learned back in 08, right? During a great, great recession was some people made billions of dollars during that same same time while others barely got by, right? So, and one of the things that I learned was during that time is you have a choice to fall into the economic woes of what's going on in the country or in, you know, in the universe, or you have a choice to decide to go in a different direction. Now, it's going to take some things in order for you to choose not to. You got to block out all of the noise from CNBC, Fox Business News and everything like that. And you have to start feeding yourself the right things, right? Because what we what we're building as entrepreneurs is not hinged upon the business community. It's hinged upon us pushing that and birthing that baby forward, right? So it's up to us to continue to push, no matter if it's a recession going on or not. Think about it. You know, um, think about what the cruise lines just went through through COVID. Okay. Nobody was taking cruises. Nobody's was nobody was flying. They went through an economic downturn, but Carnival is still here. Royal Caribbean is still here. Norwegian cruise lines are still here. So they went through that time, but you have to learn how to pivot and make changes in order to make sure that your business sustains is sustainable through a recessionary period. So my answer to everyone is I choose not to participate. Kasia, mm. what's your take on that? So I have two, a two-part answer to this one. Number one is can't, so your actual question, not necessarily the spirit of it, but the actual question was, can you build a recession-proof company? No. Unless you were building one of the three sin factors, which seem to be the only things that go through, through tobacco, alcohol, and, and gambling, right? Unless you're building one of those three, yes, the recession will factually affect you. Now, <laughs> um, now, what? how it affects you, to Marcus's point and to Amy's point, how it affects you, then you can, then you can work within that that function right so let's first accept the reality that yes there will be an effect but to marcus i love i love how you said that i i refuse to participate in that right like i'm just i'm just not going to have that but and also to amy's point so you have to plan a that mm -hmm. this kind of thing will happen right it's going to at some point in the life of your business unless you have a business for only two to three years it is going to happen so have different streams right be ready to pivot Pay attention. What are some of the underlying needs that people have? How am I meeting those? Focus on that. And what's one of my missions? Innovation. Again, back to Amy's point, perpetually innovate. Always be innovating. Always be changing. When, you know, a lot of these companies that took massive hits during COVID uh, and then were still successful, it's not that their primary business didn't almost completely go away. It did. They pivoted and did something else. They made masks. They made hand sanitizer. Mm -hmm. They they held you know different you know COVID safe virtual events that people paid for these types of things. So you just pivot and you innovate. So yes, you will get hit by the recession. It will suck, but in, in one way. But then you figure out how to move forward, and you should always have enough money in the bank to give yourself time to figure that out. If you don't, you've already failed there too. You have to have that kind of stockpile because at some point you're going to get punched in the mouth. Jerry. Yeah, all good points. I don't think I need to say too much more on it because I think we've covered a lot of it. Um, one thing and, and being in the um, financial industry, I find that a lot of people don't actually know what a recession is. They just hear the buzzword and then they make the assumptions of all the things that are going to happen. One of the biggest and it's such a basic, but guys, look words up, understand definitions of words, right? So a recession is a decline in the gross domestic product of a nation for two quarters in a row. Two quarters, right? right? So kind of what Marcus said, like, am I the United States of America? No, I'm not. I'm Jerry Feta and my business is Wealth Dynamics, right? So just because the GDP went down in the United States doesn't mean mine went down, 
right? That's like saying it's snowing on the southwest coast or the northwest coast of the country in a general area, but my zip code isn't in that area. I probably didn't get snow, right? Now, I may have, and that's to, to Catherine's point of if I did, I need to like confront that and look at it. But I think the key really for me is, you know, with recessions is understanding what is my product, right? Like gross domestic products, right? And if you look at the word economy, the root of that word actually means the management of a personal household. So a lot of people look at the economy and the recession, and then they link themselves in with it. And it's like, well, wait, no, what is your business doing? What is your household doing? What is the thing that you produce? Right. And then I love what Amy said is surveying people like what is wanted and needed a recession. Like it may not have affected you, but it did affect a lot of people. And so yep. if you can survey that lot of people and find out and take responsibility for both sides, I'm going to take responsibility for the guy being affected. I'm going to figure out how to help him. I'm going to take responsibility for the thing that caused the recession and try and help there too. Right. And that's really where you can see a business kind of like dig in and do really well during the, the recession is new problems have been created, yep. new needs now exist, and there's now the opportunity to service those needs within the vertical that the business has. So it is a process, like anyone that's been through when it's not like that day, you're like, oh, there's the answer. Like you need to do some investigation and analysis and surveying and really do a thorough job. But I think, you know, there's a way to thrive during recessions and it, it is going to be, you know, a culmination of all of the things that were said here, which are all very uh, correct and very appropriate responses. And, and, and Richard, I can second to everyone um, because my, my core business is real estate. And what is everybody hearing in real estate? Hey, nothing is buying, nothing, no one's selling because they all have 3% interest rates, everything like that. The, the sky is falling, right? It's 2008 all over again. That's all you're hearing. But right now we're buying more properties and doing more activity now than we were in 2021 and 2022, which were the highlights you know, of the real estate industry. So when I say I choose not to participate, it's, hey, you know what? I'm going to find other areas within this industry mm -hmm. to where we can still thrive as a business and not just look at, oh, you know what? Nobody's buying, nobody's selling. So we immediately accept that position. I had my biggest business year in 2020. What is that? Like as a consultant, yep. how in the world? Like that makes no sense. <laughs> but like all these businesses are closing down and, and stop, you know, cutting off spending. And somehow that was my biggest year. So very much to your point, Marcus. Yeah, it's yep. it's the the and to Jerry's point too, you know, the pivoting to find the need and then to keep going and just do it a different way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh AI and the business world. Uh, how do you see uh, how do you see that going forward, uh, Amy? It's really interesting. So, being in the in the world of sports, there's a there's a lot happening. Um, we can talk to this fact that you know Amazon is is utilizing AI for some of their Thursday night football coverage. They're actually you know there's a whole concept of can we personalize the sports coverage that we're watching and can AI help us shape that? So we can look at it from that perspective. Um, I think from a business owner perspective, one thing you need to think about is read, research, learn. I think Jerry said it best is teach yourself. Mm -hmm. AI is this, right, this concept, kind of like the, the economy, right? Like this is a big, huge word we're talking about. What does it mean to you? What does it mean broken down to you? How does that affect you? Um, my dear friend, Amanda McKinney, just did a um, how to utilize chat GPT for your business class. It's 30 minutes type of thing. And I took it because I thought I use ChatGPT, but how can I make it work for me better? How can I refine how that works for me? And it's not out here, you know, doing all these crazy things. No, I'm saying, hey, can you cut down the characters in this thing I'm working on or things like that, right? And so there's opportunities to utilize all these things in your business to make you more efficient, but continue to read, continue to evolve because it's here, right? It's not going away. So how can you make it work for your business? How can you make, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, how do you make really like responsible decisions to utilize AI in your business and for your industry? And how is your industry reshaping? How is it growing? How is it changing due to AI? So I would say, you know, it's, it's not something that's gonna go away. So you might as well embrace it and do some research and not just be afraid of it and say, oh, it's all terrible because it's not. There's a lot of opportunity to benefit you and make you more efficient. Hmm. Uh, Marcus, I know you got to go, so I'm going to ask you that question. 
Sure, sure. Just just like Catherine said earlier, innovate or die, right? Mm -hmm. So we know, like Amy said, AI is here to stay. How do we use it? How do we use it to benefit our needs, our customers, our products, um, our services? And that's that's basically what what I can say about that is it's here. If you don't utilize it, your competitor is utilizing it and you're going to get left behind. So you got to learn how to utilize it and how, you know, just look at the benefits for your own individual business. Yeah. Uh, it's So I just had the coolest experience because I was just at an event called Bond Summit and I got to speak with one of the leading AI producers right now, like like innovators in the AI space. And first of all, like, oh, there's some changes coming that is everybody's just going to go boom in about two years, like mm -hmm. minds are just going to explode. Um, <laughs> and um, I actually got to have a conversation with some AI uh, at this event. It was really cool, like a full-fledged conversation, back and forth interaction. It was really cool. Um, and what I think a lot of people miss is that this technology is what we make of it. So it learns. It's like a child. A child comes into the world a blank slate. It's a, it's a little... It's, slate and we just whatever it sees whatever it experiences and feels and 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 hears this is this is what what molds it and that's exactly what's happening here so if you want ai to be good and useful and productive for your business teach it accordingly and and be part of the design of it you know reach out to companies that you think are boofing it and go hey this needs to be better let me help you out i want to come in and i want to help you make this better and stronger um i've been doing that uh, for a while because the hr tech ai out there right now is tragic and so just, it's actually going the opposite. It's actually harming instead of helping. And so um, reach out there and be part of the design process, but it's coming. Uh, it's growing exponentially, just like any child would, right? And uh, it's it's a helper. It's not going to replace humans. It's here to, to help. It's here to be an aid. So reach out and embrace it and be part of the solution. Be part of building it and teach your AI well. Hmm. Jerry? Yeah, so we've played around with it. Um, so like, for example, right now, my company, we're we're um, putting together with a, a vendor of ours to have an AI-based sales team. So all of our texting and stuff is artificial intelligence. And it's the coolest thing because you can actually have a conversation and this thing responds and it feels like you're having a conversation with a person, right? So I think that that, like as a business owner, there's a lot of like the kind of more minuscule tasks where I'm like, hey, if I can automate that and have technology do that, you know, that's beautiful. Now to what Catherine said, AI is basically just a circuit, right? It's still the knowledge and the foresight of the human being that enters the data into the AI that's going to dictate what it does and the quality of that work, right? So there's an element that's similar, like, like Catherine mentioned, training a child or training an employee. Like how well did you do the legwork to make sure that that thing has the right data? Um, and it can be a really beautiful thing right there, right? Now, I think the other aspect of it too is like, you know, it's a bit like the internet, like there, there were the people and are the people that are like, I'm never doing the internet, it's going away. And then they just, they've got some weird retail store that you don't know of in the Midwest somewhere. And you're like, nobody knows who these guys are, right? Yep. So it's not going to go away. And so it really is like the willingness to evolve and adapt, you know, this, this, um, you know, continuing to adapt, continuing to go to the next level. And then I think the, the, the beautiful thing it does for the company and for the employees specifically, we have to think about what makes us more valuable than a robot, right? It's not just, you know, typing a text message anymore. It's my knowledge and it's like the responsibility because in AI, that's the one thing it can't do. It cannot take responsibility for something. That's up to the individuals, entrepreneurs, the staff. Like that's the thing that we do is the responsibility for the business the planning, the foresight, we can use that to enhance things. And I also think too, that as a business owner, like, you know, my staff are very important. And so I want them to know we're not trying to replace you. If we bring AI in on the sales team, it's not to fire the sales guy so that you don't have to do 200 text messages a day, right? Exactly. Your time is now freed up to do more important things in the business. And if you can increase my bottom line, I will actually pay you more because we saved money with using AI. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, in uh in two minutes guys if each of you could answer that uh if someone is starting as a as an entrepreneur uh but uh one of the biggest obstacles is uh, finance and uh, to get started and other uh, resources what would you say to someone who lacks resources and uh wants to get ahead 
Uh, I'll start with Amy. Let me pass it to Marcus because Marcus, I know you have to go. You yeah. want to go? Okay, yeah. Okay. Sure, sure. Thank you, thank you. First, before I answer this question, thank you, uh, Richard, being a host. Thank you for allowing me to be on this panel with you know Jerry, Amy, and Catherine. You guys brought a wealth of information, you know, to these topics that Richard presented before. So, my answer to that question in regards to financing is: there's capital out there, right? You just have to know how to strategically position your business to be in the room where the capital is. Uh, as a real estate investor, one of the things that I always tell people is that the information is out there on the internet, right? But everybody else has that that same information is how do you utilize that information? So one of the things that we do when we teach a lot of newer real estate investors that's getting into the industry is it's built on relationships, right? So um, I'll give you an example. I know you said two minutes, Richard. Uh, we did a deal. Uh, I never met the investor out of Nashville. We were doing a fix and flip in Chicago. And just from third-party conversations, he financed the whole project for us, over $300,000. I never shook his hand. I never went out to dinner with him. So the capital is out there. But you have to build your business based on integrity, like Catherine said, and let everybody know exactly what you're doing and that you're doing it based on integrity. And people be willing to you know, finance some of the projects. One of the things that I want you to know is don't go out there thinking that Hey, I need, I'm asking someone for a favor to borrow money. No, you're presenting them an opportunity. Hey, I have a business that's thriving. We want you to be a part of this business. This is the opportunity. You can either accept that opportunity or not, and we'll move on to the next individual. So um, it's how you look at your business and how you present those, those capital um, investments to those possible partners in order for them to be on board. But make sure you have your number's solid, make sure your presentation is solid, but the capital is definitely out there. So there's no reason for someone to say, well, I can't start my business because I don't have the money. Uh, Amy? Um, I agree with Mark, what Marcus said and um, on a couple different levels. I will speak to myself. When I first started my, my first business, it was an event planning business and the city of Phoenix was running um, a grant program for women-owned businesses or any businesses that wanted to be re relocated to downtown Phoenix. That was before it is what it is now. And so someone told me about it and it was like $5,000 to do all that. They'd file all your paperwork basically to get your LLC started, to get all your stuff going. You know, it was about it was about a $5,000 grant because by the time you do all those things and all the pieces, it's it's significant. And so those things exist, maybe not on a grant, even on a grand capital scale, right? It's look for those opportunities in your city, in your town. Um, on a much smaller level that you might be able to find capital too. So that's a different perspective. And the other one I want to bring to it is um, I was a big fan of not spending a lot of money when I started last night's game um, because I had clients in the event planning business and with different businesses I worked with who spent all this money up front to get the right letterhead, to get the right logo, all these things. Remember, if you read Lean Startup, it doesn't have to be pretty when you start it. If it's beautiful when you start it, you started it too late. So remember that that product you can have a website that is purely a landing page with maybe an extension here or there. It doesn't have to be a grand built out perfect website. So remember all those things you can do on a granular level. You can do the the cheaper though, the smaller scale. I know we all want to be this behemoth, but you truly can start on a much smaller scale and give someone a place to start off. And so I look at, you know, you we've all looked at restaurants, right, where they only have a Facebook page, which is annoying because there's no menu on there. But right. Could they get a landing page for seven dollars a month on Squarespace? Yes, they could. But it's all those things that just these little pieces, they yes, the seven dollars adds up. But also remember, you don't have to have a order online. If you're a restaurant, you don't have to have all those things. You can just have a landing page with a copy of your menu on it. So just remember that people don't expect it to be. You know, you're running a clothing, but you don't have to log on and, and on your boutique and have it be Nordstrom. It doesn't need to be Nordstrom. You can be where you're at and what you fit in the box. And so just remember that while that's a goal, it's really okay to start off. And, and I always joke, like when you start a business, you're like, hey, this is my baby. Is it is it ugly or is it is it kind of cute? And it's okay to be a little ugly. If your business idea is good and it's sound, it will grow. It doesn't have to be beautiful. Yeah, uh, catch in. 
Absolutely. So to, to build on that, Amy, because you're absolutely bang on it. That's how I did my business. That's how a lot of successful entrepreneurs I've known have done it. Um, so get creative. Um, with that. So for instance, when I was building out my HR tech product, um, you know, having a developer here in the States is going to cost you a fortune uh, these days. So I went and got talent in other countries, paid them top dollar for where they are, but it cost me, you know, a sixth of what I would have spent otherwise. Um, and then also, you know, so get creative, you know, come up with alternative solutions, build your own website, like on Wix and stuff like that. I certainly did. Um, but then also, I think another important piece is go to where the people that have the money are and let them get to know you. So that that's one of my tips. And yes, uh, Marcus was correct. You don't have to ever actually meet the person. You know, there's there's different ways that it happens, but this can be highly effective. So if you want to get money from big wig investors, go to like the conventions and the summits and the networking events where they're at. Let them get to know you. Let them hear your idea. And also on that note, make sure that your messaging makes sense. If you have to tell somebody a saga to tell them what you do, your messaging is not right. Get your messaging right. Get that elevator, not the elevator pitch, but just the elevator rundown is what I call it. Get that get that done at one sentence. You should be able to answer what you do in one, maybe two sentences. Um, and other than that, just go where the money is. Meet the people. It works. Jerry? Yeah, I think these are all very on point. Um, you know, I think... When I, when I, when I picture myself as a new business owner, like the first question I would want to answer is like, do I actually need funding? Um, I think that that's one of those things that's again, romanticized and it sounds sexy and you're like, I have investors and it, it kind of is like this public relations buildup of, of something that maybe isn't really that great. Um, you need to look at like, does my business actually need funding or do I just need to bootstrap it? Right. So for me, I bootstrapped the business. The other question is, is you want to ask like long-term vision do I want funding? Do I want to give up equity? Do I want to have a cash flow issue of having to pay this debt and then maybe not being able to hire a COO as quick? Like these are all things to think with. Um, and then I think from there, like it doesn't matter whether you do or don't have funding. Like if you get the funding, great, you better have a plan and you better have a business, right? Like the money needs to plug in and then everything needs to go and you need to be able to produce cash flow and pay people and do all the things, right? So um, I would honestly say like that's something somebody should probably spend time working in the business a bit first, trying it themselves, doing it the cheap way and seeing how it goes if they can. And of course, there's exceptions to that in groups that might need to raise money and that's different. But I think that that's like, you know, on the first date, you don't need to figure out, do I want to marry this person? Right. Like, like spend some time first and then we can get to that point when it makes sense to ask that question. Yeah. That's a really good point. I think that you you did hit that on the head that not everybody needs to fundraise and make sure you want to fundraise because that's a lot of back end work and a lot of um, responsibility and getting investors is a time consuming from that perspective, but also the investor relations. There's a whole piece of that that goes into it. So something to keep in mind. And and I just want to say like one thing that everyone kind of hit on and Marcus especially, but relationships are free. It may cost yeah. you a cup of coffee. But relationships are free. So how hard you work at those relationships will ultimately be those connections that you need as you want to continue to grow. All right. Uh, thanks, you guys, for accepting my invitation for this roundtable. Uh, thank you, Marcus, Katrin, Amy, and Jerry. Uh, I hope everybody uh, liked this episode and uh, they found a lot of uh, good insights. So uh, thank you once again to everybody who uh, participated to this roundtable. Uh, my name is Richard Lesperance, and I go by the name of my man, Richard. This is the podcast. Welcome to a better lifestyle. And we'll see you on the next episode, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. If this is your first time listening to the podcast and you like it, please don't forget to subscribe at the end. Thank you and see you next time.